Did you miss us? <laughs> Nose all round. It's been a while. It's Thursday, August the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor-in-chief of the NationalPulse.com, joined in studio. Are, are, are you a co-host? Are you a... What are you now? Anyway, Natalie's here. Welcome back, Natalie. Thank you, you can for talk having now. me. This is the microphone. You're the host. <laughs> You're the hostess? Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's a strange time to be broadcasting from Capitol Hill because a lot of Capitol Hill is currently locked down due to some kind of bomb threat. So if you hear any loud explosions in the background, followed by screaming, that's just as me. And um, there'll be me screeching while running out the door. And um, I'm sure Natalie will be running towards the incident. Camera ready. As a journalist. <laughs> finding the CCP links. Um, finding the CCP <laughs> links to the truck on Capitol Hill. Though we shouldn't laugh. There is a uh, there is an ongoing issue on Capitol Hill, so... It's just it. These things happen so often up here that it's yeah. hard. It's hard, you know, to take them necessarily seriously. But this one appears to be slightly larger incident um, than we're used to. So again, it's a slightly different uh, vibe to the podcast today. But I want to say a great big thank you right at the top of this show to everybody who has been uh, incredibly welcoming to us all around the country. Over the last couple of weeks, we've we've been doing some travel. We've been meeting some of the National Pulse members who have been uh, members for months and months, supporting the site, supporting our work. And it's been an absolute pleasure to hang out with them, whether it was in Sioux Falls or New York. Uh, and we're going out to Bend in Oregon in just a couple of days' time. So if you're around that area of the world, um, Natalie, what's the what's the website? I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to pronounce it correctly. Then try, because it's always funny. I'm very bad at pronunciation, but yes. DeschutesRepublican.org <laughs> slash Deschutes Ra- and Leaves. Raheem, then another N, <laughs> and then my name, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E. Okay, so it's DeschutesRepublicans.org forward slash Raheem N. Natalie. N Natalie and uh, it's on our social media and, and so on and so forth if you want to check that out but we're looking forward to being out there for what has been titled as an evening with Raheem and Natalie sounds so classy so classy I'll have a glass of apple juice or, or something and you'll have champagne no the other way around and Water. that is on Wednesday August the 25th I think it starts at 5 30 p.m and probably will go till about 3 a.m the, the way that the uh the way that the um subject matter is is lined up there's a lot to talk about so this is what they've got us talking about by the way because i haven't seen this before and i'm just looking at it now for the first time apparently we're talking about real v fake news brexit trump and the future of populism 2020 election audits the chinese communist party wuhan lab and the virus oregon mail-in voting critical race theory and local activism I don't think there's anything left <laughs> that we won't be hitting. We will try to cover as much of that as possible over the I, course I of the I think we can do it if we speak in maybe three times speed or, or even four. But. Yep. Yep. So we will uh, we will endeavor to uh, to give a good performance in Bend. And, you know, we're really excited about 
traveling to other parts of this country. We're talking to people in Oklahoma at the moment, in Montana at the moment. So I'm very keen to see more of your beautiful country. And um, thank you. Hey, if you're paying, not you, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the people out there, ordinary people, not extraordinary people. And I say that with all the uh, with all the trappings of the word. Um, Let's open the show today by talking about something that was just a massive, massive story for us. Yesterday, still is today, um, really has driven a lot of the uh, a lot of the coverage of Afghanistan in the last twenty four hours. I'm delighted to say that the uh, the real president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, shared it to his email list and his Telegram earlier today. Uh, and that story is um, one that came to me via very interesting uh, a very interesting route, and one that uh, I had just an, a really interesting and amazing time standing up as a story. I worked uh, alongside um, a great reporter who's been on this show before, Adam Credo, over at the Washington Free Beacon, to stand up a lot of the information that, that, I, had, um, that I had garnered but couldn't necessarily confirm. Uh, and we shared, we shared the story between the National Pulse and the Free Beacon as a result of that. I happen to think my story was a little better written, but um, Adam does his in very sort of uh, Reuters or AP style copy mine is a little bit more i think um you know, you know there are there are um, inter- in, 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 what do i what was the word i'm looking for here you're not even listening no, natalie's not I even wasn't. listening she's like scratching and just no, you know, brushing her hair um this is a podcast you're on live right now <laughs> don't read the news while we're doing the podcast read the, the news before threat. we do the podcast and read the news after we do the podcast but not while we do the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but like this, okay? Like, let's talk to one another. Okay. That helps. So what's the word I'm looking for? You don't know. Chinese no Communist idea. Party. <laughs> That's the one. There's a little bit more Chinese Communist Party in my story. Well, um, there actually is none. I don't think there is any. Um Oh yeah, there is at the end, at the end, with uh, with Jake Sullivan, which we'll get on to because that's, that's more Natalie. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about this story. So... It transpires that um, Biden's State Department is one of the very first things that Anthony Blinken does when he gets into his job over at the State Department is cancel a, a contingency and crisis response team that Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo and the Trump State Department writ large had organized back in October of last year. Now, uh, I, as I understand it, um, the money was actually moved to fund this bureau. Therefore, it was a real thing. There is evidence that this bureau existed on the State Department website. Uh, And of course, there is documentation that we have published, which proves uh, that the deputy secretary, the current deputy secretary, Brian McEwen, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, nixed the plan on June the 11th, 2021, formally. But as I say, it, it appears that they started to cancel this plan, this crisis and contingency unit, really a bureau inside the State Department, um, within days of, of, of Joe Biden being inaugurated. Now, what this team, what this bureau was supposed to do was effectively exfiltrate Americans from crisis and dangerous situations around the world. Now, obviously, look at what's in the news today. Afghanistan. It's not all about Afghanistan, this, this, this operational entity, but it would have been very helpful in Afghanistan, and it, and, it, and it occurs to me, Natalie, that I don't know if you saw this morning the Pentagon's 
Deputy Press Secretary stood up and said he didn't know how many Americans were still in Afghanistan. Well, this CCR, the Crisis and Contingency Response Bureau, would have been in some way responsible for not necessarily you know tallying up the numbers, but at least trying to understand how many, how we get them out. And Joe Biden nixed that plan over the course of this year. Now, we found, or, or I should say, I was provided a, a document from inside the State Department, which is sensitive but unclassified, action memo for the secretary. And it's, uh, it's from the Deputy Secretary, uh, Brian McKeown. The subject line is Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau. And the recommendations are as follows, that you direct the discontinuation of the establishment and termination of the Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau, CCR, and direct a further review of certain associated department requirements and capabilities. Recommendation one, that you direct the discontinuation of the establishment and termination of CCR consistent with the applicable legal requirements, necessary stakeholder engagement, and any applicable changes to the Foreign Affairs Manual and other requirements. The decision to cancel is ticked, approved, dated June 11th, 2021. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, when you look at what's going on in Afghanistan and when you hear uh, Joseph Robinette Biden up there saying, and I'm just going to, let's just call him Robinette from now on. Um, when you hear Robinette up there saying, you know, we couldn't have ever left without chaos. That's not a thing. Why, why the hell did you run for president of the United States if your approach to everything is, ah, you know, it's out of our hands, we can't really do anything about it, you know, we just got to let this chaos unfold. Tens of thousands of Americans still in Afghanistan, by the way. I'm told, I'm told uh, 12 to 15,000 at least, at least. And the State Department, the DOD, the Pentagon, they have no idea, uh, uh, you know, an accurate, specific number. And this is Thursday, August 19th that we're doing this podcast. So I hope for the people that are listening to it in the future and, and, and those numbers will get told. You know, they will get reported eventually. I hope you realize just how feckless the State Department has been. And it, it sort of brings me up onto, in, into one of your, your stories and, and your themes, Natalie, which is uh, Jake Sullivan and you know, this constant refrain we hear about the... Um, uh, incompetence of the Biden regime and and I'll come to that in a minute because I happen to believe it's not really incompetence that's driving a lot of this and I know you feel a similar way but just to kind of round off this story for you ladies and gentlemen I I, I didn't know what CCR was when I was when I was sent this documentation uh, and I had to do a lot of a lot of research and, and and surely enough you know former President Donald J Trump saw our story and was so interested in it that he provided a unique quote for our story which I encourage you to all, all, all go and check out. It's not um, not a mild or short comment, to say the least. Um, but there was an article in Vanity Fair, of all places, from May of this year. And it was talking about this predecessor-slash-partner bureau of CCR, which, which is called OpMed. So I want to quote a little bit from this, just so... So, ladies and gentlemen, you can understand exactly what this entity does and is supposed to do. Okay, and and by the way, Vanity Fair did this article in conjunction with the people who run OpMed, who are the people who are going to be running the CCR before it was cancelled. Quote, 
Even before COVID reared its head, OpMed was finding ways to do all sorts of things, serving as the hidden hand behind daring and often dangerous operations to rescue Americans from peril abroad. Now, Tony Blinken actually gives a comment in this Vanity Fair article talking about how uh, OpMed is a lifeline for the Department of State and the American people. Um, though perhaps lesser known outside of the department, it's vital to our operations. That's because OpMed provides the platform and personnel to save American lives around the world, especially in times of crisis. During the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic, he said OpMed was integral to our evacuation and repatriation of 100,000 Americans to the United States as countries began locking down their borders. Now, wouldn't it have been great? Wouldn't it have been really, really special? If those capabilities were siphoned off into a proper bureau that dealt with crisis and contingency response, like, oh, I don't know, Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump had figured out last year and started to to, to push uh, forward. But let's go on with this Vanity Fair report, because they say something really interesting here, and I, I want everyone to, to internalize this. Because the similarities between the Biden regime and the Obama regime are, are, are just stunning. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised about that, but it's you'd think they would have learned some lessons. Apparently not. So, quote from Vanity Fair, Op Med emerged from the ashes of Benghazi, where on September 11th, 2012, militants attacked the U.S. consulate, killing America's ambassador to Libya, an information management officer, and two CIA contractors. The day's events rocked the national security establishment and prompted years of recrimination, congressional hearings, and blue ribbon commissions. When the dust more or less settled, several findings emerged. First, Pentagon officials had long warned their counterparts at the State Department about the tyranny of distance in Libya and other parts of North Africa. Second, CIA medics on the scene in Benghazi played an indispensable role in saving the lives of gravely wounded diplomatic security personnel. Finally, an interagency panel of experts concluded that in light of the grossly inadequate response time to evacuate the injured from Benghazi, state must ensure it has the capability to rapidly deploy crisis responders and evacuate personnel in harm's way. Again, seems to me that somebody tried to learn a lesson from Benghazi. Um, The Trump administration certainly tried to then further Uh, apply those lessons to the United States footprint around the world, especially in a a crisis zone like Afghanistan. And the first thing that Joe Biden's State Department did was come in and nix the plan. Now, in amongst all of this, people might be thinking, why are we hearing about such niche and nuanced information about one particular program within the State Department? And that's, that's because... There's been a lot of noise about Afghanistan over the last couple of days. Everybody's an expert now. Um, and I, I, I particularly take the view that uh, it is incumbent upon us not just to understand and, and shout from the mountaintops uh, about what a bad job this administration has done, this regime, this junta has done, um, but actually to drill down into the specifics and understand practically and policy-wise um, how just how how they balls this up so bad and and you know without contrition without apology joe biden stands up there the other day um just before his sundowner and says um you know the buck stops with me and you know there's no way that we could have done this any other way well there is it was already in the strategy books 
it was going to be done in May. You would have had this CCR and you would have got people out. But no, what you did was you gave the terrorists a head start and you dismantled America's capability to repatriate its own citizens. Natalie, presidents, or rather president, have been impeached for less. Now let's come to the point about um, Jake Sullivan and how Afghanistan has been such a balls up. My contention is that, and I know it's a big charge to make against an American citizen, certainly one that is spending so much time working at the highest echelons of his government. My contention is that Jake Sullivan is compromised to the extent that he probably does not even fully understand or is not fully aware of the fact that he is aiding and abetting hostile foreign powers because of how long he has spent either working for them, with them, and being radicalized in their favor. Natalie Winters. Sure. Well, the the Biden regime is, you know, inflicting massive amounts of damage on the United States on on two fronts. One is the policies that they're pushing. But I think what you've really hit on and what we've tracked pretty extensively are also the Trump era policies that they're rescinding. Uh, And I think it's easy to maybe, you know, chalk that up. And I think much of the discourse has been, oh, it's just motivated by politics. It's, you know, Trump derangement syndrome or they just want to, you know, get rid of Trump's legacy. Because all I remember from, you know, the four years of Donald Trump was CNN pundit saying, you know, he'd embarrass us on the world stage, the world stage. That was a huge concept to them. But look what's happened to the world stage under the, you know, masterful hands of Mr. Joe Biden and all of his, you know, think tank. The adults are back. Exactly. Joe Biden, I think I was just going through his old Twitter, uh, old tweets rather, and he said so many, you know, just gets and jabs at President Trump trying to say, oh, well, he's embarrassed us on the world stage. Well, it's a bit pot calling the the kettle black. But I think what what you're seeing here is it's not just a political decision. It's an ideological decision. And it's one that's rooted not just in compromise by the Chinese Communist Party, but but fundamentally, I think just kind of an America last approach, the idea that being an American doesn't really mean anything. You know, it was Joe Biden in 2014 who said, quote, there's nothing special about being an American. So it's no wonder why his his regime is so haphazard and frankly careless about wanting to extract all these American citizens from Afghanistan. But I think when you really track the policies that they've rescinded from the Trump era, and I'm not just talking about the border wall and all these immigration measures, uh, I'm talking even more you know, kind of under the radar ones, like people may remember that we had that story talking about how the Biden regime rolled back a ban on Chinese Communist Party owned energy companies from investing and controlling really any part of the United States power grid. And you just can't wrap your head around that. There's no reason why an American administration, I know they're not an administration, but whatever want to you know, entrust a foreign regime that is as hostile as the Chinese Communist Party and willing to unleash bioweapons, as we've documented extensively on the American people, why we would want to entrust them with, let alone our pharmaceutical manufacturing, but our our energy grid. And I think that when you look at the motivation behind this whole, you know, rescinding of this Afghanistan bureau, and also, you know, even this power grid, you know, I think you can't disentangle the fact that you've had Joe Biden's kin running around for over a decade inking deals with Chinese Communist Party linked energy companies. And I think, you know, not to go anecdotal, but we had a story up a few days back talking about how Joe Biden's top China policy coordinator, that's her title, her name 
is Melanie Hart. She comes from the Center for American Progress, which is, you know, one of these think tanks that look down on people like you and me. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, they think that we're the deplorables. We don't know what we're doing. We don't understand foreign policy. We're isolationists or or whatever they want to smear us as. But it was Melanie Hart who was working on Afghanistan policy funded by the China United States Exchange Foundation in a report that they released a few years back detailing for the CCP and the United States to play both a bigger role in Afghanistan and collaborate and that we should allow the Chinese Communist Party's Belt and Road Initiative, which is basically just a way for them to amass control of you know the entire world, uh, to let that play a bigger role in, in Afghanistan. And when you kind of see that, you see people quite literally drafting policy papers alongside Chinese Communist Party influence groups. And then you have basically, I mean, everyone from the rank and file members all the way up to the president and their family collaborating with these Chinese Communist Party, you know, explicitly backed and military linked influence groups. I think it's hard to then therefore contextualize and internalize what happened in Afghanistan is just a mistake, right? I I think that there's something broader there. And I think that that is where people like Jake Sullivan, who, you know, are hosted up at Harvard's Belfer Center, where they're hosting People's Liberation Army generals every other weekend for events. Uh, and they're, you know, accepting a ton of money from these Chinese Communist Party-linked entities and, and state-run firms. And, you know, it's not just Jake Sullivan. It's every single person who has some semblance of, of power uh, or control within the Biden regime has a tie to the Chinese Communist Party. And believe me, it's, you know, as Trump said, the Chinese Communist Party is, is laughing at us as they're seeing what's going on in Afghanistan. And I think, frankly, that their establishment counterparts are are laughing with them. I think that's right. Shall we hear from uh, Jake Sullivan in his own words? Yes. Eyes in a way is not the failure of American foreign policy. It's the success of creating those stable conditions. And here in the U.S.-China relationship, we helped create the conditions of stability and security in East Asia that allowed China to have this remarkable economic rise. So that its rise in a way is not the failure of American foreign policy, it's the success of creating those stable conditions. And Yeah, we heard from Jake Sullivan twice there. Um, what's he saying there and where's he saying it? Well, so he, I believe in that clip, is is speaking on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, or he Intelligence could be, Matters, I think it was. Yeah, and then the, the other clip he's speaking at another think tank. Uh, but I... Want to play that one too? You can play that one too. Sure. And let me be clear, that's not about containing China. It's about reinforcing the very foundation of regional stability that has, among other things, facilitated China's remarkable rise over the past several decades. So, I mean, what is this guy? I mean, is 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 he is he the Manchurian national security advisor? Is he just is he a useful idiot? Is he a running dog? Like, how would you you've you spent a lot of time looking into Jake Sullivan? Um, how would you how would you characterize you know what what drives him? What motivates him? Do you take a view on that? Well, I, I think he, he lays it out pretty clearly in that clip. To him, American foreign policy is, is successful if the Chinese Communist Party can rise. And I think that that's a very interesting metric. And, and I would argue, you know, I think I could probably do a, a three-day-long podcast detailing the, you know, long-planned compromise of Jake Sullivan from the eyes of the Chinese Communist Party. But, you know, we say compromise a lot, but I think there's really 
two fronts to this. One, I believe, is an ideological compromise in the sense that Jake Sullivan has spent his whole life in establishment circles, establishment think tanks. Uh, you know, he's a graduate of Yale. He, he was up at, uh, obviously, Harvard's Belfer Center. And it's not just that, the, you know, the curriculum there and the fellows that they host there and who they're being lectured by are sometimes quite literally Chinese Communist Party officials or a lot of times what they're being taught is entirely sponsored and bankrolled by the Chinese government. But it also just preaches, I think, kind of the you know Biden mindset of managed decline in the sense that, you know, Jake Sullivan also I have to say he's the one person that I can never remember uh, his role in the Biden regime because he's so forgettable uh, but the damage that he's inflicting is is not forgettable right. uh, but I, I think part of his compromise is just that he is quite literally an embodiment of you know the American elite who's profiting off of the decline of America um, but I think the other level of compromise which we've gotten into pretty extensively and I think you hear it slip through in the cracks when you hear clips like that um, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, the way that they invest in these people, you know, they're not silent investors and they, they expect a pretty high return on investment. It's not like American foreign policy where we just plow trillions of dollars into Afghanistan and we're left with a crumbling country. The Chinese Communist Party is very curated and strategic with their investments in people and in programs. Uh, and I really think that the Belfer Center is really this ground zero facility that you see a lot of people who are now working in the Biden regime, they've been there, they've been hosted there as fellows, and then they come out and the line that they, they tow on the Chinese Communist Party is either one of kind of ambivalence or outright cheerleading. And I think that the, the important takeaway, and I really saw this as a stark juxtaposition, you know, as Afghanistan was falling to the Taliban, which is really the culmination of you know, about two two decades of American presence there. There's also a story coming out in the Sunday Times talking about how since 2003, the Chinese Communist Party has launched a very, very aggressive influence campaign at the World Health Organization. And if you look now, how those both of those trajectories, what happened in Afghanistan was a loss of, you know, countless, way too many American lives, blood, treasure, soil, you know, a country is now left in ruins under the under the hands of the Taliban. In contrast, you have the Chinese Communist Party, who spent significantly less. They now basically control the entire World Health Organization to the point where they could effectively release a virus, start a pandemic, profit off of it more than any other country, and get away with it because they so successfully penetrated and really subverted an institution like the World Health Organization. And I think that Americans really are, are their head is very, very deep in the sand to think that the Chinese Communist Party is not doing the same thing to every other institution in the United States that they're doing to the World Health Organization. And the fact that it is so subversive and under underground and the only reason and the only really the only way that you hear about it is from, you know, I would say uncompromised, non-corporate funded outlets like ours uh, is because the Chinese Communist Party really does have a, a a very firm grip, grip and grasp on on every aspect uh, of America. So, speaking of which, <laughs> let's talk about the um, these very very high profile Democrats who have had the grip and the grasp on them. Now, the title of this piece that was published this week, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, look, I want to I want to just butt in here a little bit on the on the content side. And do some do some housekeeping real quick because I'm not sure that everybody gets to the end of the podcast. Always, sometimes we go pretty long, and um, although the best stuff comes at the end, and uh, I just want to let you guys know a couple of things. Number one, 
and especially today, your job is, Natalie, okay. we have to get the PDF of the stories for print yes. for members. We were supposed to launch that four weeks ago. It's not well, happened yet. Some stuff happened. Some stuff has happened. <laughs> that stuff is no longer happening. Um, but we're actually going to provide a, a PDF that you can print out at home because I know so many of you, I know this is kind of a, it's almost kind of a boomer thing to, to do, but I know so many of you want to give a paper copy of some of the news stories you read at the Pulse uh, to your friends and family. We are not in a financial position to be a distributor of that, but we will surely create uh, some content in, a, in an A4 double-sided format that you can give, that you can print yourself, give to your friends, family, colleagues around in your community, you know, whatever. Um, no littering, please. Um, and and this, I think, deserves to be one of these one of the stories in there. Um, so, top anti audit Democrats took China trip sponsored by communist influence group. Now, you don't need to go over a lot of the QSEF uh, stuff again. Uh, you know, re- listeners of this um, podcast will know what QSEF is already. And if you don't, ladies and gentlemen, it's all up there on the nationalpulse.com. Um, C U S E F. Um, but just just summarize this story for us because some of the names on here shocked even me. Sure. Well, I think the the headline in some ways kind of buries the lead because I think this really exposes a, a systemic problem within this kind of rising young, as they just say. Criticize my headlines on my podcast. I think I did the headline, <laughs> but but no, it's it's very funny because sometimes I struggle doing headlines because you know. There's a very newsy part of the story, i.e. you see a lot of these top anti-audit Democrats being involved with this group, but it also speaks to a bigger problem in that this this they call themselves pro-growth progressives. It's chaired by Senator Chris Coons, who is referred to as a you know very longtime close confidant and ally, uh, really the Biden whisperer, according to Politico. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, the, by the way, you don't need to couch it like that. He absolutely is. We yes. all know he is. We don't need Politico to tell us he is. I mean, he's the, he's the guy that took over from Biden in, in Delaware. They're best buds. Every time Biden's in Delaware, which seems to be pretty much every other day right now, you can bet you Chris Coons is down in that basement with him, you know, buffing his shoes or or, or bringing him his his oatmeal or his or his chocka chocka chip. Um so, so you know, Coons is a massive figure in Biden world. Yeah, and and he is one of the chairs of this group called New Deal Leaders. It's also worth noting that Chris Coons is former chief of staff is now a lobbyist for Alibaba. Yep. But putting putting that aside, uh, this this group I would describe it really as as a network for training young up and coming state and local officials in the Democratic Party. And some of their most famous alumni are names you've probably heard, Stacey Abrams and Biden's Secretary of Transportation and failed Democratic presidential candidate, Pete Buttigieg. But what's really interesting and where this really dovetails with the 2020 election and kind of the broader narrative of, you know, who are the people that are suppressing the audit into the you know most free and fair and secure election in the history of this great earth? And those are people like Adrian Fontes, who is the former uh, rec- county recorder over in Maricopa County, which is one of really the ground zero for looking into election fraud in Arizona, and Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who really has made blocking any audit into Pennsylvania kind of his, uh, you know, administration or I guess is AG's office's main priority. But what's really interesting that this New Deal leaders group has taken several trips to China 
that have been sponsored by QCEF, which is, of course, that foreign influence organization that explicitly targets Western leaders to get them to push policies that are favorable and kind towards the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and it's not just that, you know, there's a loose link. Adrian Fontes actually went with this delegation in 2018, visited China. We have uncovered video of him where he's actually at a school in Beijing uh, and they're conducting these education exchanges uh, and collaborative ventures between American schools and Chinese Communist Party run schools, which also is a whole other podcast that we have to do on the connections between the CCP and CRT. But I think the, you know, the signal, not the noise here is that QCEF, which is one of you know 250 plus registered foreign agents operating on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party in the U.S., are quite literally actively targeting up-and-coming Democratic politicians. You know, and that's no secret. That's no surprise. Look at Eric Swalwell. If they're targeting, you know, a low-level official in, I think it was Dublin, California, they're targeting everyone. But I think that this just speaks to a broader systemic problem that so many of these young, rising Democrats at early stages in their career, specifically ones who tend to block audits and end up in the Biden regime, have ties, undeniable ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And I think in times of crisis, like you're seeing right now in Afghanistan, you know, that's when they really kind of weaponize and utilize those ties because it is it is very much to their interest to have people, I would argue they're kind of, you know, dormant sleeper cells of Chinese Communist Party interest. But they really, the Chinese Communist Party really is, is an expert in cultivating foreign influence uh, abroad, and I think you see it with some of the highest profile people. Yeah, I mean, I don't think these people are dormant at all anymore, by the yeah, way. I they've think they've been flipped on. They're, they're, yeah, they're absolutely been flipped on. They're doing everything you know they can do to stop these audits, for example. These are people who have been on all of these um, QCEF trips and, and associated with these groups. And, um, and across the board, I mean, across the board, you look at it. Whether it's Afghanistan we're talking about, whether it's uh, you know, election integrity and security, um, whether it's uh, critical race theory, or as I just like to call it, communism in schools. Um, you know, I think, I think we're too fluffy about critical race theory, honestly. I, I I listened to Matt Gates' podcast this morning. It was actually really good. Uh, I listened to, to two episodes that I hadn't caught up with yet. They're, they're both really good, but his episode on critical race theory is really, really integral, and you've got you to listen to it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I just hate the phrase. I hate the phrase so much because it gets people, critical race theory, what, critical race theory. It sounds, sounds academic and boring, right? Let's call it what it is. It's communism in schools. It's communism for kids, um, predominantly. And um, and I think we, we, we avoid... Uh, not to take it too much on a tangent, um, hitting the nail on the head with, with that issue. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, let me know, by the way, and let us know if you agree with us or not, if you have questions about what we're talking about, all these uh, articles that we publish, every piece of documentation, evidence, every link, every citation is always up at thenationalpulse.com. I'm incredibly grateful for all of your support. Um, I regret to inform you, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know if I've told you this yet, Natalie, uh, we actually were... Um, deplatformed from our key advertising network yesterday. Oh no! Yeah. Um, so the QSEF trip. Well, you know, it could be any any number of things. I'm not I'm not willing to 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 name the firm yet because I've asked why this has happened and and I'm waiting for them to get back to us. Um, but it will cause a a, a revenue shortfall of, of 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 not an insignificant amount. Um, over the next couple of months while we try and find a new a new partner if it if indeed we even do bother finding a new advertising partner frankly i hate ads on the site so maybe we'll find another way to go but i'm grateful because um you know it's not our main way of of uh, financing the site and the main way of financing the site is ordinary people up and down 
the world, frankly, not just this country, um, who go to fundrealnews.com. That's F-U-N-D. I'm not going to spell the whole thing. Fundrealnews.com. I can't spell the whole thing. <laughs> fundrealnews.com. And, 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 and chip in, you know, and you can chip in $5 if you want. You could also chip in $2,500 uh, if you want. And, and it just, and there are all different um, tiers in there. Um, I'm actually going to be signing a bunch of books here uh, while, we're, while we're here in the, uh, in the basement um, where all of our work gets done. And um, those books get shipped out to our members uh, at fundrealnews.com. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who, who keeps us afloat and who keeps who keep the truth uh, alive. We're obviously constantly under threat and under attack. Um, immediately yesterday, when um, when we put the State Department story up, we got uh, we got a, a DDoS attack on the site. Um, they didn't manage to take it down, but uh, those things are very expensive. Like the, those systems are very expensive to 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 purchase to to keep the site up, even when you're even when you're under you attack like that. Crisis and contingency bureau. I am your crisis <laughs> and contingency bureau. Very true. Yeah. Um, now, if if are you are you good on that? Are you done with that? Yeah. Yeah. Anything as as, any, as much as one can be, but yes. Yeah. Because um, I do want to pivot to another story now that I think is really interesting, and it's this Rasmussen reports polling that came out yesterday. Um, when the guys, the 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 the, the real great guys at Rasmussen sent me this. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and I was looking through the detail, the cross tabs, which they don't actually release unless you're a platinum member of Rasmussen. Now, I recommend everybody goes over to Rasmussen Reports and subscribes. Um, it's really not expensive at all. I think it's like six bucks or something that you can get a, a, a membership for and go through this data yourself if you're so inclined. Um, but they did allow me to actually publish the cross tabs uh, yes, they because they are just they're just real good guys over there at Rasmussen Reports. They're, they're in it for the for the information getting out there. And so, look, they asked three questions in this poll, and the, the responses fascinated me. We've got it up on the site. Uh, it's up at thenationalpulse.com. The headline is: Stunning poll reveals Trump would win election held today as nearly one in ten Democrats regret their 2020 vote. And the details, I'm not going to spend too much time on it uh, for you, but the details, because I want you to go and look at the crosstabs, because I've also color-coded it for you, so you can see what the what the most important parts of this are. But the details are as follows that I've pulled out from this. 37% of voters today say they would vote for Joe Biden. That doesn't really chime with most elected president ever, right? That, that, that within, what, nine, ten months of the election, only 37% of voters say they would vote for him today. 13% of Democrats in this poll said that they would vote for Trump today. Uh, moderate voters' support for Biden plummeted 13 points. Um, and Trump has actually gained among against uh, in, within moderates uh, on in this poll. 11% of 18 to 39-year-olds say they regret their 2020 vote. It's over one in ten. Fourteen percent of Black Americans regret their twenty twenty vote. Nine percent of Democrats regret their twenty twenty vote, and twelve percent of moderates say they regret their twenty twenty vote. And I just thought this was fascinating. I thought it was it was fascinating information. I trust Rasmussen's um, polling and their numbers way more than other pollsters. And so I just wanted to commend that to you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's something that I think. Um, I think you should study because these numbers are about, I mean, if, as if they're already not, but they're about to get real interesting. And you know the White House is pouring over this information 
trying to figure out how to stop the bleed. Um, I'm not sure they can. Athlete, do you think do you think there's anything in in Biden's political future that he could possibly do to stem this 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 wild unpopularity that he's going through now? No, not to beat a dead horse, but I think a lot of this unpopularity is derived from the systemic rot that we've identified in the regime, which is that every person in there, whether through, you know, former appointments at big tech companies or huge, you know, anti-American corporations or even at Chinese Communist Party funded think tanks and even in some cases Chinese Communist Party run think tanks based in Shanghai, uh, the people who are running his policy are, you know, American in name only. And I know that's a serious charge, but I, I really do believe it. So I don't think that a regime that is so astroturfed with its interests, whether it be just corporate America or really boosting foreign governments, or as, you know, uh, Jake Sullivan says, being successful if they can encourage the rise of the Chinese Communist Party. I don't know how you can really reconcile those priorities and those conflicts of interest with that of a regime or an administration that puts the needs and desires of the American people first. Now, one of the things before, um, unless you have any more, before I think we wrap this up, is is I wanted to talk about um, Getter. And I specifically wanted to talk about Getter because it is, uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Getter is a new um, free speech platform, uh, G-E-T-T-R dot uh, com, and it, you can get an app on your phone. Um, but it's 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 taking it's taking the world by storm. It's got over two million users now. I it's pushing a ton of traffic every time we put a link up on Getter, pushes a ton of traffic. We've even got Getter uh, social media share icons on the site now. So um, so good is it for for traffic to to the National Pulse. Um, and I just I just wanted to let everybody know that that we're on Getter. You're on Getter, right? Of course. Yeah, we're on Getter. Come and follow us on there. Uh, what's your what's your handle? Natalie G. Winters. And I am Raheem Kassam. And National Pulse is. Oh yeah, National us. Pulse is on on. It's Getter. been a while since we've been on a social media That's platform. That's right. Yeah, because we got kicked off Twitter immediately after the election for alleging statistical anomalies. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and I don't think it will be long before. I don't know how long really is, but uh, I don't think it will be all too long before Twitter becomes a little bit uh, redundant for us. As long as people keep moving over to Getter, you know, they're fighting the evils of big tech, and it's led by Jason Miller, who was a former co-host of the War Room with me, former senior advisor uh, to President Trump. And you know, I just they oppose cancel culture. They never sell any data. Um, and I just believe that every freedom fighter should get on Getter today. I I support it. We know the staff. I've even Great helped them staff. recruit staff. Um, the they're best. up there in New York. They're doing God's work. So ladies and gentlemen, getter.com. Get on Getter. And now I've got a long list of people to thank for joining as members. So unless there's anything else, Natalie... I think we'll have to save all the other stories for... But what else you got? So much. What, TikTok. Like, oh, TikTok. We didn't even get to yeah. TikTok. We're going to have to save it. TikTok. We're going to have to save it. Gonna, TikTok has to have its <laughs> own um, podcast, I think. Because, yes. I, look, I on the TikTok question, it's one of those things where I went... What? The TikTok question. No, Sounds, the, no the, I The TikTok question is a big question. Um when I went through, I just typed in TikTok into the search on the National Pulse, 
I didn't realize just how many stories we had out there which mentioned yeah. TikTok and everything. I think we've done the most comprehensive coverage of any news organization. I know too much. Oh, yeah, you do know too much on the Chinese Communist Party and its involvement with getting your data out of this app. And of course, this week, they finally took an official stake, 1% stake, but a board seat with it in TikTok, which, uh, uh, in ByteDance, sorry, TikTok's parent company. Parent company which allows them all sorts of access into anybody that's using this app, including, by the way, your facial uh, movements while you're watching other people's videos. So not just when you record, but the app can look at you and track your facial movements and other movements you know, when you're watching other people on TikTok. And this is now in the hands of the Chinese Communist Party, in part. And, of course, you know, our good buddy Alan Duke... Over at Lead Stories. Well, quick update on Lead Stories. Oh, yes, please. Well, as much as we love to rightly criticize them for their explicit financial ties, which, by the way, just got more explicit because ByteDance, which is right. one of their funders, is now uh, explicitly funded and backed by the Chinese Communist Party. But sometime in the free time that they've had while not running cover for the Chinese Communist Party, Alan Duke sadly fact-checked a story from the Babylon Bee. Wait, stop. The Babylon Bee, which is the 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 satire website. I mean, the very clearly satirical website. Yes. Wait, but was it Alan Duke himself that did this one? Well, he had to approve it since. Well, of course, he's the editor in chief of Lead Stories. But I want to know who at Lead Stories actually. I do know there are other staff. Yeah, exactly. Let's so see. let's find out which member of staff at Lead Stories is now fact checking satire websites because that that's almost better than the CCP links. I want Alan Duke on again. And I want to put to him that it's possibly not the best use of his time. Maybe it is the best use of his time, actually, to fact-check Babylon B articles. Natalie, do you have an update for us on the author of this article? No? Not yet, All right. but I'll find well, it. You keep looking at that. I want to go through and say thank you to a bunch of our members who have been uh, joining up and supporting uh, the National Pulse this show. And I also want to stress, ladies and gentlemen, that you can pick up this podcast on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, uh, on all different podcast platforms. I need you to subscribe across all of those different platforms, please. It helps us reach more people. Please leave a five-star review. Please leave a comment underneath. Leave a comment on Podbean. Um, just share this with every single person that you can and help us reach more people. We are the signal, not the noise. We are the truth, not the lies. And so I want to thank, do we have a name? It's our favorite girl. Who? It's the one person left that needs to be fired because she did donate to Democratic candidates. Oh. Contrary to Alan Duke's insistence, it's also the one person whose name I can never pronounce. Oh, try <laughs> so it. Alexis? Yeah. Terajuk. Oh yes, yes, yes. Terajuk. Yeah. Um, Former CNN, of course. I think we may. We, I think maybe we should do a breaking on that. You know. Lead stories. Well, what did they? Fa- what did they? Fa- what did they fact check exactly on the Babylon Bee? Fact check. Yeah. CNN did not praise Taliban for wearing masks during attack. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> so now they're not just running cover for the CCP, but. They're like running cover for the Taliban and and <laughs> CNN. Well, it's it's the axis of evil. Exactly, it's the new axis of evil. Um, risible, humiliating, pathetic. Alan Duke, you should be ashamed of yourself, but we know you have no sense of shame. He's a redneck. He's, a, he's a, apparently, <laughs> according to him, he's a redneck. Um, well, thank you for that, Natalie. We'll do uh, we'll do another one of these very soon. I, I always say that. Um, and then we we do do it for later. like three months. Yeah. Um, we're busy. Believe it or not, we're actually busy, and, and I'm busy. And and you know, sometimes this stuff takes a 
lot of emotional energy, especially being in the same room as you for an hour. So, <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. I just want people to realize that wasn't an actual dig since we've spent like the last 10 days like on the road together and I've got to experience the most <laughs> heinous parts of Natalie Winter's lifestyle, which include the following. And I'll cut this if you don't want it in. <laughs> a cyborg suck, okay? They yeah. suck, they're gross, they're too cold. I'll never eat another one. And screw you for taking me to a cyborg place. No, they're so good. I would happily be sponsored by any cyborg place as long as they don't use powdered. But I did Besides, make you eat foie gras. It was horrible. I love it. I it. I told him it tasted like rotten cream cheese. And I love rotten and cream cheese. I agree. It was probably one of the worst things I've <laughs> ever eaten. Like, I'm triggered. That's how I feel about the acai bowl. No. So we have very, Well, one very... of them is a superfood. The other is not. The other one is a superfood. Well, I like superfoods. You can have all my acai bowls and I will have all your foie gras. Deal. I had one like an hour ago. I did not have foie gras an hour ago. But so. I feel like I should. Well... Good luck. Because I'm founding, you know, I'm founding this new movement, the Foie Right. Ah. Yeah, so I tag a lot of Well, I, you know what? I disavow. Foie right. <laughs> I struggle yeah, what are you? Like the Asai right? I'm Asai nationalism. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Right, ladies and gentlemen, enough nonsense. There are other parts of this that we could get into about your exercise routines and such. They do not qualify as exercise. <laughs> I'm sorry. You do. It doesn't qualify as exercise to sort of, you know, put an elastic band around your arm and just slowly extend. You know, oh, back so, checkers are rating this false. Yeah, Alan Duke is going <laughs> to support Duke. me. Believe me on this. No, one. Alan Duke would would support me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we come to the end of that nonsense, we will be traveling again soon. Yeah, I'm sure, Natalie will be finding a cyborgs all over the great United States, <laughs> and I'll be finding anything but that. I want to thank Galen, Julie, Dorothy, Dan, Sharon, Janice, Deborah, Joseph, Donna, Judith, and lots of ladies. Janice, Denise, Elizabeth, Cynthia, only ladies, uh, Mark, there you go, Paula, Leslie, Deborah, Andre, Anthony, Jason, Jeanette, John, E, Maria, Heidi, Shelley, Eric, Linda, Erin, Marsha, Lou, that's L-E-W, Thomas, Nancy, Thomas again, Joe, May, Jan, Glenn, Isaac, Judith, Jerry, Michael, Randy, Carrie, Anthony, Ed, Matthew, Oystein, Steve, Nick, Gregory, Diane, Heidi, Pamela, Sharon, Ibby, Terry, Lauren, Rebecca. The great thing about this is I get to learn so many names that I didn't know existed either. Leslie, Kevin, Vici, or Vicky, but it sort of looks like Vici. Alan, Kenneth, Rose, Marie, Melanie, Jeff, Patrick, Majonta, Walter, James, Richard, Michael, Carolyn, Mike, Rhonda, John, Deborah, Amy. The list goes on and on. We don't even have enough time. I've got to read this one because this is a cool name too. Ladis Laus, and then Lucia, and then Constance, all great names. Monique, Peggy, Stephen. The list goes on. We're so grateful. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Head over to fundrealnews.com since we lost our advertising partner. And we'll see you again for the next National Pulse podcast.